Hi, this is Madeline, a.k.a. Groisha, founder of Growing With The Seasons. Our new voice, season one, is the foundation of the intergenerational conversation. It's been in my heart to do. We need more mirrors and voices to inspire our choices. For in the reflection of each other, we all grow wiser. I know I have. To learn more or get involved in this and other co-creations and conversations, check out the website, gwtsfamily.com. We offer many ways to help you groom your authentic expression. Here we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Our New Voice. I'm here talking with my sister, Stephanie. We've been on a shared mission for a bit, and I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say about the question, because each person I've spoken to, no matter how long I've known them, I've learned something about them. I'm looking forward to learning something about you today, Stephanie. Welcome. Thank you. How were you informed about your gender? You know, I'm assuming girl because that's how I think you identify. But how are you informed but in your family about being a girl? What were some of the messages or the imprints about being a girl? From a very young age, I was put in very cute little girly little clothing, little dresses. I, I can definitely remember the photographs that were taken of me as a young, a young baby and a toddler. Yeah, I remember my, my grandmother would dress me and my sister up in matching little outfits. Yeah, just the way everything, the toys I played with, the songs that were sung to me, the, just the way the, the gentleness, I think, also from my family. Uh, I can remember being held by my grandfathers and there's just a, a certain way that we're, we're held as females. I can relate. I was um, born into a family that hadn't had a girl baby in a long time. I had five boy cousins and all boys everywhere. When I came into the family, they were like, we got a girl, a girl. So there was a way that there was a different response. So I can appreciate that. Was there any confusion ever for you about how you wanted to carry yourself or what you thought girls were like? Like how did you kind of design your woman? Yeah, I'm just remembering like the hairstyles, the ponytails. I remember once also, this is coming strong as a memory. My mother, she was a single mom. And so she was definitely looking for ways to make things easier for herself as a single mom, taking care of two small girls. So she cut our hair Super, super short. There was like the Dorothy Hamill haircut back then. And I remember, I remember that one. I remember that haircut. I just, I was mortified. I felt stripped and ugly. <laughs> and I love, I had love because I have a picture of me in kindergarten with really long, beautiful, wavy hair. And I, and I just look so cute and pretty, a pretty little girl. And then when I got this haircut, I just felt so ugly <laughs> and so angry that how could you do that? And yeah, I really enjoyed being a girl. It never occurred to me to be a boy. I was not athletic. I didn't like to run. I'd like to skip. <laughs> you know, I, I like dancing and floating around like a, like a fairy or a butterfly. But I, I, I was definitely not into like boy games or trucks or I wasn't 
it, it just wasn't like I did, like I felt left out of that at all. I really liked my girl stuff. How did it show up in your relationships? So your way of being a girl and your way of being a woman, how has it kind of taught you? Because, you know, as you know, I say, and you've heard me say, likes the school and relationships in the classroom. So at first you got to know yourself and obviously there was a certain amount of sweetness that you were met with, a certain amount of uh, control that your mother used to try to make her life easier that you didn't appreciate. It's kind of common for a lot of us in different ways. So now it's like how in relationships were you revealed even more? In being a, a female? Yeah, like, you know, whether it was with boys or with other girls, like how did, you know, being a girl persist? Like how did you go about it in your relationships? In relationships. Like were you trusting of men? Was it easy for you to cling against men? That's a very, very deep and complicated question. Stephanie, if you thought I was gonna do the icing on the <laughs> podcast, it's like we just met. Like they used to say about me, Maddie doesn't do appetizers. She goes right for the meat. Like I go right in for the deep dives, you know? So forgive me if I'm proud but, and only answer what you want. You know, you can be so general, however you want to bring it, sweetheart. You know, I don't have a problem with sharing. I'm just considering all that that question brings up from young, from my early, early childhood and through grammar school and high school. I mean, being 52, there's so many different stages in life that that question would differ in the relationships, how I was when I was five, you know, and how I have now when I'm 52. And everything that happened in between is fascinating. <laughs> well, I mean, it might have found some patterns, you know, because uh, some of us who have responded, there's been a, a sense of a pattern, you know, whether some of them were like overgivers or some of them had fears of letting themselves be loved. Some of them were not sure if they were safe. Some of them felt an ease and just got really close and then got a little bit hurt. You know, like everybody's life school classroom, you know, unfolded in its own unique way. But usually there's patterns. Well, so my father was severely mentally challenged and was very abusive to my mother. And so at a very young age, I witnessed firsthand domestic violence. And so that for sure affected me and how I would relate. As far as being a woman, then yes, of course, that would also have affected who I am. Watching my mother as a woman be treated that way. And then for her to protect her young girls, she had to have him removed. And that was very traumatic. And then she became a very strong woman. And back then, in the, that was the 70s, divorce was just becoming in fashion. <laughs> when she first got divorced, it was not. But then it became everyone in my classroom, parents were divorced. Witnessing of that definitely affected who I was. I became extremely independent. And in my teenage, teen years, well, so I would say from a young age, I, I, I became, I had a very, I, I, I had a difficult time with self-worth and self, I had a very low sense of self-worth. And I put a lot of weight on from that point on, from the time I was five, till I was about 14, I was chubby. 
like enough so that people would make fun of me. But I, I believe now I know that was a protection. So I don't think I really felt like lovable. And, you know, I had, I definitely had crushes on boys. I remember in kindergarten, I chased after a boy. There was one boy that all the girls loves and I literally just chased him down and threw him down and kissed him. <laughs> so I was very impressive. Oh. I knew what I waned <laughs> As I got older, I realized that wasn't really going to work out too well. <laughs> you can't just run yeah. and him down and kiss him. <laughs> yeah. So then I think I went the other I went to the other extreme and I just kind of like held back. Yeah. And then when I, when I was 13, I became very, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, oh my God. Yeah. When I got to 13, again, you know, there's those stages and looking back, you can see how those stages really have a lot of influence on how we behave. So when I was 13 and becoming an adolescent and really testing boundaries and relating with boys then, I thought that I had a power, I guess, looking back, to attract. I went a little too far, too soon, more, I believe, out of curiosity. Also to connect, you know, to be, to feel important, to feel like there was somebody that cared. And, and of course, all the media told us that love and relationships were a certain way like what we'd see in movies and TV, like you fall in love and have a love affair. And so from a very early age, I, I guess I was looking for that. That didn't really work out too well. So, you know, a lot of hurt, <laughs> rejection and confusion. Yeah. And, but I, I was really strong. And but my mom being that strong woman that was really able to be resourceful and be successful and with really hard work, she exhibited that quality that a woman can do what a man can do. And then it was the norm to go off to college where back then when she wanted, would have wanted to, it wasn't even an option. That's why she got married and had children at such a young age, because that was the only way to have freedom to get out of the house was to get married and have kids. So for me, it was just go to college, which I did. And, and then, um, yeah, grounded a little bit more. I had boyfriends, but I was always the, the, the girly girl. I joined a sorority and I loved dressing up. And yeah, there was never really a question about that. Yeah, I always felt really at home in my femininity and, and in, my, in my female body. But yeah, then really more deep, deeper that the question would be was how I would learn to use the power of being a woman you know, what it would, how it would work for me. And for sure, the, the physical body, the feminine body is very attractive and can really make magic. <laughs> and, yes, you can. Yes, it does. I, I found beauty and I found self, I became more confident. And so then it was balancing that, you know, with ego. And because I remember I'd meet women and I, I, and even though I, like I lost weight at certain points and I had really cute boyfriends and I was what would be considered popular. I was accepted, but I kind of rejected that too. And I'd go off with people who were maybe more fringe that were just more interesting to hang out with. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I'd always use my, my, I guess, looks and, and feminine ways to get into maybe a group that would seem like the 
the group to be in. And then I always found that that wasn't the group that I felt comfortable with. And I didn't, it wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't fun. It was boring, (laughs) not interesting. And so I'd always kind of go off into other fringe communities and just be, feel more at home and at peace with who I was, regardless of being a, a woman. And then I, I went off in my early twenties and I went like in search of who am I? Cause that's what we do in our twenties. And I followed the Grateful Dead and that was the whole wild ride. Again, you know, being a woman and having that as my, I guess it was a tool that got me places. Got me back. That's transparent. It got me places that I really enjoyed being and, and it was a lot of fun and it was exciting and exhilarating. And, and then it got me to where I found who would be my husband and, and the father of my child, my children. And then that became a whole journey. Motherhood. Wow. What more embodies the feminine, the tools of our, of our feminine bodies than creating life. That was extraordinary. And relating to our own children and being a mother. I mean, that's a whole, you can write books, novels on, on that. They do reveal a lot to us, our children, right? They bring so much into the light when they come. But it, again, it was natural. It was so natural. I was in California and so in California, it's much more, more health conscious, more nature based. It was so easy to allow myself to take on that lifestyle of being like a nature hippie mama. And it was just so perfect and, and <laughs> easy and wonderful to be a mother and take care of children. But relating with my husband was always difficult. It was always a, 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 a point of contention. Everything was an argument. 16 years I was married to a man, the father of my children, and it was really like constant bickering (laughs) because we were both very strong personalities. And so I I would never really back down and I had opinions. And so they would become strong opinions. And just because I was a woman and the wife, it really didn't stop me from being a strong person. And my ex was very masculine and very much in the role of father and husband and kind of would want to have the last word just because he was the father and the, and, and the man. And I wouldn't let him because <laughs> I, I had a word too. So in the end, very interestingly, there was a woman that I knew from my twenties who i met and this was my my one experience with questioning at least sexuality with potentially being in a relationship with another woman that it it wasn't about my not wanting to be a woman though I think it was even maybe wanting to be more of a woman being with another woman could be so juicy and 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 so that you know, so I'm not really safe say. for people. It can feel really safe to be in that kind of love, that unconditional love that two women can have for each other. I'm going to say this also for me, it was, could have potentially escape out of my relationship with my husband because I thought, oh, if I'm going to fall in love with a woman, then that means I'm not going to be with a man. And that could get me out of this very unhealthy relationship mm-hmm. with my, my husband. I could see that 
in myself, that was a way to reject the man mm-hmm. by going into this other lifestyle of different choice and, and sexuality. So, yeah, I guess that it's 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 awkward and uncomfortable to talk about, but yeah, that sexuality and how we use who we are and what we have to get where we want to go or what we want in our lives, it, you know, the, it is a tool somewhat. And that there, there are these attachments to ideas about being a woman or being a man. And there, I mean, these days, everything's different and everything's questioned now. And it's, it's so amazing that we can have these conversations, but there's a lot to learn. I mean, I, I, I guess that now in relating with people, it's not about being a, a woman anymore. It's about who, who we are as humans, you know, have people coming into our our space here who do question that so for me now my my vision is to hold space for people to feel safe to be able to ask those questions and have those conversations and so thank you Madeline for yeah asking the questions yeah of course you know that was a great share thank you one of the things that I was hearing was that you're touching something that came up in some of the other interviews like a little bit of a power thing that goes on and you were referencing sexuality as a power, but even like when we don't want to be somewhere, we might escape. Like we don't necessarily know how to balance the power in our relationships sometimes, you know, because I know my mom was by herself with three girls and I didn't see her balancing her authority or quality. I didn't witness that process, right? Like, I mean, so I don't have a skill set. So my tendency would be like, well, decide what you think's going on and say what's going on and tell them like it is. I, my first marriage, similar, the father of my first husband said, I give it two years. The power struggle is going to kill you both. You know what I mean? So like we made it for 10, but there was a power struggle in it that I don't think either one of us really understood why we were doing it. But he grew up with the old Italian way of how a father's supposed to be. I grew up with a single Irish woman doing it the way she could. So our two imprints came together to make the soup that we made with the Bernarducci's. But there's definitely something about how we use power in relationships and that the real power is just that each person can take care of themselves. You know, because when you can trust the person to take care of themselves and you can take care of yourself, you can now share your genius to the third thing. Like how you are able to do those women and vision, the shared vision that we live. Like, I'm not taking care of Stephanie. Stephanie's not taking care of me. But when we come into a conversation, I can trust Stephanie to bring her clarity and I'll bring my clarity. I can trust her to bring all her parts and I'll bring all my parts and we'll be able to do our best with what's there for the for the mission, right? Like not for power, for the rights of passage, for the safe place for people to grow into their homeless, Because right? that's what's more important than the me, me, me stuff, like the narcissistic kind of energy that each one of us has a little bit, that self-obsession. So I think relationships are a school to teach us that the real power is managing yourself. Absolutely. And that, but I would take it a, a step further where for me, I am, and I have been told by many that my maternal instincts and my, my feminine ways as a mother do bring people a sense of comfort 
And so that, yes, for we learn how to take care of ourselves and to hold our own space. And then we can actually come to a point, maybe it is as elders, where we can, we can care for other people and they can feel relief and healing being in our presence as we are finding that within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Then it can actually overflow into service where we can truly bring a sense of comfort to others. And I, and I know that about myself, that I, I have that ability. Yeah, I love doing it. I really, it, it, it feels good to not to heal someone, but to allow someone to have that experience of feeling a sense of peace and healing within themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree. I think that nurturing other things is natural for some of us. And I think that we should be able to do it freely. I remember my eldest son telling me one day, mom, it's a compulsion. You need to <laughs> like, just don't do anything for two days. I'm like, what? Don't do anything for two days, you know? And he's just like, it's a compulsion. You're not seeing it, mom. Like, you don't have to do all the things you're doing. Like, we're nurtured just by the fact that you're in the kitchen singing or that you're in the house and you're growing your flowers. We don't need you to do all those things. That's a compulsion, mom. I took it and I, I understood it because there was a, an adrenaline of keeping going and what else do we need to do and who needs what and how do I get over there and what's on the call and did that person call back and where do I go over there? Like I would be in that you know, file system of keeping it moving. So I think that it's somewhere in between there. I agree that by design, we are nurturers and that men are also nurturers. And the ability to receive nurturing without giving away your power or taking someone else's. Yeah, finding that balance for sure. I could, I could definitely relate to the compulsion. I think that comes with when we're being mothers that are, we're, we're doing it more out of worry that they can't do it for themselves or worry that something's going to go wrong if we don't do it in a certain way or that it's not going to get done the way we like it. So we have to oversee everything. So yes, finding that. Or just wanting it done. Like for me, just wanting it done. Just wanting to get yeah. it. You're not going to do it. I'll just do it because I just want it done because I want, don't want to think about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing gardening now. So it's like like a seed, like a plant. Like you, you plant it. And you give it love. You water it. You put it in a place where it can get sun. You turn it when it's turned, but then you have to walk away and leave it alone. You can't like pull it out of the soil. (laughs) So there is a point where it's okay to walk away and let it do its thing. Right. See how it comes through. Let nature take its course. Like you did what you needed to do. So to know when the work is done and to be able to let it grow. How do you maintain your spiritual constitution or your your truth or your clarity like how do you make sure that you're okay that you're in alignment to yourself that you can trust your own voice like what are your practices that help you cultivate that in yourself yeah well there there are practices and and so i wake up in the morning i've taken on a practice for that's been years, a couple of years now where I wake up and say Moda'ani and it's a, a prayer. Religious Jews say it when they first open their eyes to give thanks for creator for the breath that we breathe today, the life that we have today. So my mind might go and wander, but I bring it right back to Moda'ani each morning. And now as Is that a now, song? Is that a song or just words? It's a prayer, but actually Shiva put it to a tune. You know what I'm saying it? 
Modayani Lefalaka Melaskai Vikayom, Melaskai Vikayom. Jehovah Zorts Albinish Mati, Bechamla Rabam Mikafa Modayani. You might recognize the tune because he sings it with another song. That's beautiful. What a nice way to start your day saying thank you. I mean, that's beautiful. That's a nice way to say I'm here. Yep. So we do that. And then now we have the Tara dance. A15 every morning. That's just been amazing. A sacred ritual, ceremonial dance, honoring the goddess Tara with all the qualities of, of feminine goddess, the only female goddess in Buddhism. And then, yeah, throughout the day, really, I'm living my life now like it's ceremonial times. A lot of self-education, a lot of taking care of the body and yoga, qigong. I started doing qigong now here in the quarantine stage where we are at doing a lot of Zoom calls like this one and connecting with people that I feel are in alignment with my mission. Eating really good nourishing food, yes. cacao, things that I put in my body really being conscious of nourishing myself in so many ways. So yeah, self-care, honesty within my relationships, communication, healthy communication, sometimes communication that doesn't seem healthy, but facing that and always finding solutions in the best way possible with in all my relations. Yeah, dancing and singing and it sounds like a good life. I'm glad I'm sharing it with you. Tell me <laughs> when you need to know if something's the truth inside yourself, how do you discern truth? Yeah, well, I can feel it. It's a sensation in my heart, in my body. And there's just a sense of peace. And I know what it feels like to not be in peace because I spent probably 51 years, <laughs> maybe 50 years. <laughs> The correct sort of a knot and a clenching gut and just a very, just like an aware physical feeling, like a sense of doom. <laughs> yeah, about a year ago, I started doing some work. I mean, I've done a lot of work. So it's come and gone over the last 10 years. So you could really recognize, oh, there it is. And then, oh, it's not there now. Oh, there it is. Oh. Oh, it's not theirs now. <laughs> Recognizing when it's there. And when it's there, something needs to be paid attention to. When it's not there, I'm in alignment. The truth. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely something about getting older that allows things to soften to be seen, you know, because I, I know that, you know, who you are in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, we're always shifting. And there is, in my experience of the 50s, an ease and an acceptance and a knowing of yourself that seems to come with it. Yeah, it is. It's just living in this body for this long. I could recognize the tension that comes. And I mean, there's pains in the body that we know are just natural from doing a yoga position <laughs> yesterday. That I, oh, that was what that happened. Yes. But there's something different when it's emotional. And it's, but it's also kind of the same where you can really recognize it being in this body where it, where it showed. And, and it was through 
particular work with a, a highly trained therapist and mindfulness. And it only took a few sessions. It was so powerful where he really was able to guide me to those places in my body and, and fine tune and pinpoint what, what that was and then just go for it. And then really it was a few sessions, a few months. It, it's releasing attachment to it and knowing that it is a story. Yeah. It's really yeah. not who I am. Mm-hmm. But it could happen anytime. I, I wouldn't think that it couldn't happen for a 20-something. Oh, yeah. I feel like there's a far more attuned ability to be present. And definitely the younger people don't seem to carry unless, you know, they're still wearing or drinking the of their family patterns. They don't have that same emotional dependence on each other. They're not regulating themselves emotionally the same way they have. Normally. Um, they're, just, they're just different. They're evolving. And I agree you can find mindfulness in your present self. At any point in your life, I would say as a child, it's probably when I was the most present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So when I'm with children, I feel the most present. Thank you so much for your open-hearted shares. Appreciate what you're doing over there, growing and flowing, reaping what you're sowing. I thank you for the time and we'll be continuing and, and you'll probably, you know, be asked like the others to to listen to what the others share because the conversation's an ongoing conversation. So part of being in the fold of our new voice, this first round of spring and summer is you're taking the time to listen to the other people's conversations too about these questions. And it's growing more awareness of just compassion, mm-hmm. passion for others' experiences. And the long-term goal or short-term goal is to acquire the information, to be able to focus on shared prayer, shared understandings that we can use for the foundation of a safe world for people to grow and evolve naturally. Well, thank you, darling. I love you so much and I appreciate you. And uh, thank you for how easy it is to play with you. We're very lucky that uh, those two strong women, Eileen and Eileen, we're able to uh, not lean and stand so strong and grow us strong. And now we're learning how to stay strong, but also learn to share. So I close it up and I sing a sunshine song because we haven't figured out a way to mantra all together because Zoom is so weird like that. So in this time, I just ask you to just kind of open yourself to receive and we're going to close the portal, like close the shared space, you know, because we're so safe. We touch such deep wells of your authenticity. So I want to thank you for that and just let everything come back into your body with your breath. Your stillness. Allow yourself to feel a nice, empty, open, clear space in the center of your heart where your grace can be met. And uh, if you could just rub your hands together, I'm just going to sing the uh, sunshine song once and then we'll let go. May the long time sun shine upon you, our love surround you, and the pure light within you guide your way on, guide your way on. Guide your way on. Peace to all, love to all, light to all. May all of our obstacles be overcome with ease and grace. 
You know, we live and grow as one, like the moon and the sun and the forest too. Aho and Klausukomari. Omateo. Thank you to all of you. Hi, this is Madeline again. If you're interested in learning more about co-creation and building a new foundation, check out the website, gwtsfamily.com, and get involved. Join us in growing this frequency of more peace and harmony and possibility. Turning in all the directions. Calling above and below to the space inside me that longs to glow. I call for the wisdom of my teachers and my elders and the wisest part of me. What is it that's going to set us free? How can we find harmony in this family? Please teach me. Show me the way. I know. The way will open. Where is it? Where's the fire? Rhythm in the middle. Stay centered. Stay true. Do what you're here to do. That's what will soothe your soul.
Jesus.